walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. Good afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe you're a sicko and it's 4 a.m. That's fine. Get your college baseball fix whenever you want with the Shock Factor podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm good, Steve, and I have a spoon, I have a stick of butter, I have some milk, I have a pot, and that's because I'm ready to make some pacaroni in 12, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was like, hmm, this is an interesting collection of ingredients, but you're right. We are so ready uh, to cook up another preview podcast for you fine folk. Um, We've just been churning these out. And it has been a delight. And Steve, we have come to possibly your favorite conference. Yes, it is the Pac-12, the conference that you so famously watched hours and hours on end on last season and many years in the past. Uh, that's is that correct? Is that is that what we're talking about? The Pac-12. Right? Yeah, I'm still I'm still waiting for the Guinness Book to get back to me about getting that on the centerfold. Um, just the hours and hours of Pac-12 baseball that I consumed last season was honestly downright bonkers. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Here's, here's maybe how we should put it. While that part may not have been true, the time we spent with the Stanford Cardinal in Omaha did make up for perhaps the amount of <laughs> Pac-12 action we did miss. Um, although, however, I'm a little bit more optimistic about watching some Pac-12 baseball this year. Uh, Jake, but I'm excited about this preview. This is uh, our our fourth Power 5 preview. And we got, you know, we got, uh, as as we've talked about with the Big 10 and the Big 12, uh, Steve, how do you feel about the 11 teams uh, in the Pac-12? This one's a little bit different because it involves one school that's just straight up doesn't have it versus how many schools total versus how many schools, whatever. But how do we feel about the Pac-12 only having 11 baseball teams? They're so close. You know, it... (laughs) I think the room for error is plus or minus one team is what, okay. I'll, what I'll end my answer on now that we've gotten through all the conferences. I think the biggest thing we can learn from this parody and the actual number of teams versus the number they throw in the name could be something along the lines of maybe not throwing the number of teams in the name. Because sometimes, what do teams do? Teams are trash. Teams leave. They leave you. And yes. that the Pac-12 was closed this year. A couple of years, I don't know. It's time to <laughs> well, start looking well, at uh, some name right, change we, paperwork. We did mention that, you know, on the Big Ten preview with USC UCLA. We'll save that conversation, but I, I'm so glad you mentioned that. We'll get to that with the mid majors because we got a lot of moving and shaking in the Conference USA and Sun Belt. No problem for them. The, nothing about their name I, I indicates specifically the number of teams they're promising. So maybe the Power Five could could learn something about that. Anyway, Jake, uh, <laughs> where well, should we begin? I was going to say that's funny the because the Ivy League is in yeah. the same number of teams since like the Hoover administration, and yet they're not like the Ivy Eight. You know. Right. That's because they're the smartest of the smartest. Yeah, (laughs) they they know they don't want to put themselves in a bind that way. Uh, All right, let's (laughs) talk. Let's tell you who these uh, eleven teams are that we are going to talk about. Um, Five of these Pac-12 teams made the postseason last year. That's Stanford, UCLA, Oregon, Arizona, and Oregon State, and the six others 
are Washington, Arizona State, Cal, Washington State, Utah, and USC. Three teams come into this season uh, ranked in the preseason top 25 on D1Baseball.com. That's Stanford at number three. That's UCLA at 17. And that is the Oregon Ducks at 25. Uh, Jake, where would you like to be in our storylines uh, for the Pac-12? Well, I just want to give a shout-out to this conference because as currently constructed, the Pac-12 makes me think about Noah's Ark. Tell me more. Sure. Steve, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm going to let you expand on this one because so, you, you seem to have such a grasp. So Noah's <laughs> Ark, right? Like they paired up the animals two by two, you know, and that is kind of how this conference is geographically situated. Every school has a local partner within somewhat driving distance to them that you can kind of group them in pairs when you think about this conference. Arizona State and Arizona. Mm, that's a couple. USC and UCLA, they go together. Cal and Stanford, right down the road over the bridge. You got Washington and Washington State. Perfect. Oregon that's, and Oregon That's State. pretty far. <laughs> I understand Washington and Washington State are very far. But yes, but no, yes no, you're right. You're right. Both no, I, I like where you're going. I like where you're going with this. And then, oh, what's that out there? That's just Utah chilling on its own. <laughs> Which, hey, maybe if we can get Colorado a baseball team at some point in the next, you know, 10 years, then them and them and Utah can, you know, hang out a little in the mountains. Right. I just want to say that I do really like that structure of this conference. It makes it, it very is easy, easy to for think me to about. remember. Yeah. Yes. That is that is a good point. So, Steve, you're you're on board on board. Noah's Ark. With Noah's yeah, Ark. I'm, yeah. I, I like that comp. I, I remembered why I was thinking that way now, so glad I did. Glad I was right in thinking that way too. So, and much like Noah's Ark, Stanford enters the year looking to flood the competition and wash them all away. Whoa, Jordan. too soon, man. Let's let, let's be very sensitive. All right, to the flood was a, that was a real big deal, man. I don't know if we should be talking about You're that right. so flippantly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Name one goodness. person who died in Noah's flood, and I'll I'll approach this with a more serious attitude. <laughs> okay, Gibraltar, sorry. the Rock. <laughs> okay, let's know. let's let's talk about Stanford first. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, uh, we spent some quality time with Stanford in Omaha. However, not as much quality time in Omaha as maybe we thought just based on the fact that they went 0-2 there despite showing up. I thought they were going to win the whole thing. One of the most talented teams in the country last year. And Stanford now comes in as, as you know, the clear favorite, not only in this conference, but also as, you know, just a favorite overall in, in all of uh, Division One baseball. Um, Steve, I know you also enjoyed your time talking to some of the Stanford Cardinal last year. What are your general Stanford vibes and thoughts coming into this season? The Stanford vibes are just immaculate. Those guys, I, I don't know what it is, probably going to school at a cool place that just made them very chill. But everyone I talked to was just a cool guy. Like, I felt at any moment anyone could have broken out a, a normal-sized regulation skateboard, executed a kickflip, and put it back. And no one – like, if, if someone did that in the dugout for Stanford, no one would bat an eye in that dugout. Like it would even, just be expected, I feel like. Even head coach David Esker, who who was very uh, kind to us in Omaha last year, like just through and through, totally agree. Um, just I, great way to put it. Great he, way to put it. He's high up on my kickflip list. He he could definitely <laughs> do one. 
but they're just a, a fun group of guys. I really enjoyed them. They they didn't count the days. They made the days count, in my opinion. Because mm. I couldn't tell you a thing that happened with them baseball-wise, but I had fun with them. I remember right, like, that. Okay? We left Omaha, and I don't think Steve could tell you anything, anything at all about Texas A&M right now. At all. And they were in the final four. Whereas with Stanford, they went to and have a nice flight home, but they made memories that'll last a lifetime. Yeah, I did not True. spend as enough time with Texas A&M, I would say. I would say. I would say that the other reason why, again, we're talking about them so, so prominently here is that, yes, they're maybe arguably the face of that team, and Brock Jones did move on to pro ball, but there's still a ton of recognizable names in this lineup. And just, you know, some of the most talented players in the conference in the whole country, uh, some of which we'll get into in our main character segment. But, yeah, I mean, Stanford is – they are a they are headliner as, as justifiably so. And I think – I mean, sure, yeah, they have some, some big guys to replace, but I think they're going to be awesome again. And uh, I would expect them to. They're I, clearly the favorite. I remember asking someone on that team what percentage of the guys on the team are, like, legitimate Stanford students. You remember this? Like, not yeah. – they all yeah. go there. <laughs> They all go there. No one's like moonlighting as a ringer. But I mean, like, how many of the guys in the Stanford baseball team are like Stanford level smart? And obviously it's a spectrum and some people, everyone is intelligent in their own way and blah, blah, blah. But you can't tell me that 100% of the players on the Stanford baseball team have Stanford brain. There's no fucking chance. Uh, and the number that we got w was around 30%. So that's like 70% dudes are just kicking it. And I love that. Just scheming their way to good. a Stanford degree. I, it's outstanding. Well, well, but but listen, there's still a standard there, right? <laughs> just yeah, you, you still got to do a little bit. <laughs> there's still, uh, sure, uh, maybe the bar's a little bit lower, but I still got to give those, those, those boys some credit. Hey, they get the same degree as everybody else, you know, in their classes. They don't get the doctor degrees. What's <laughs> if, the if they don't get drafted. What's the difference between Brock Jones and Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, I guess Brock Jones didn't get a degree either from Stanford. Yeah. Did I would Mark say Zuckerberg Facebook. Stanford? I'm going to hop in and say Facebook. Yes, Facebook. <laughs> Brock Jones did not invent Facebook. Correct. Uh, anything you almost else? got me. I almost got you. So that's Stanford. We'll get into some of the specific players in the team that you need to know about. But they are, I would say, the favoriteest favorite in any of the conferences, I feel like if I was a betting man, I would feel the best about putting money on them to win their respective conference in this, the year of our Lord 2020 trace. But let's move on to some of the teams that are going to be challenging them. And I want to talk a little bit about UCLA, Jordan, because in the world of the transfer portal with, uh, you know, teams using the winter or sorry, the summer as a MLB winter to bring in new players, UCLA has a, kind of taken a different approach, a different strategy. They are sticking with the guys who brought them there, or at least showed up. Uh, they did not hit the portal hard. They played a lineup of almost exclusively freshmen last year, and they are counting on that group to be better this go-round. John Savage, in some ways good and in some ways bad, is what you would call an old-school throwback coach. And I think that is the definition of UCLA at this point. 
Yeah, well, and also when you are UCLA, uh, we talk about, oh, how effective can you be in the transfer portal? But obviously UCLA is going to recruit crazy well always. Um, and sure, they'll lose some guys to the draft too, like some other programs. But that's why when you look at the team and you see, you know, the Cody Schreiers and you see, you know, Alonzo Treadwell, like these are guys that they, they got the campus because they're UCLA and generally they're going to get some good players to the campus. So I think if there's one thing we've seen you know, going into the season, like there are a lot of different ways to build a roster. And I think that is... In some ways, I know that there are a lot of people that hate what college sports has come into because of the transfer portal. But to me, it just makes it more interesting because of how many different ways you can kind of build your team. Right. Um, yeah. If you if you think the transfer portal is tainting teams by just throwing together all star teams every year, just look at UCLA. Let let their roster refresh you, re recenter you on Earth, and it all will be okay. They have one transfer on their roster that I'm seeing right now. And it is Knox Lopeser, fun name, real fun name, transferring from Ole Miss. And mm. he's doing it the graduate route. So I don't even know if they really had to look in the portal for that. You know? Did John Savage open the portal? Did their coach, like, did he even get the link? Did he ever log in and scroll? Or does he, mm. did he just said that's going right into the junk folder? Or is it like, is he, does he even have it bookmarked, right? I imagine it's basically the homepage for some coaches, but <laughs> you know, there's probably a different spectrum of how often you're checking in on the portal. And I have to imagine he's near the bottom of that. Yes. Yeah. I, I really like to think of like 10 years down the line, if he opens up, changes his way to the portal, he still has like the little website orientation to do. He like <laughs> never got through it. <laughs> But let me, let me say, though, I think this whole conversation is also related to the first thing we talked about, Stanford, right? Because Stanford's similar. They're not exactly bringing in a bunch of transfers. They're recruiting like crazy. They're bringing in ridiculously talented players. And the fact is, over the last few years or so, Stanford's players have just been better. The guys that Stanford's have gotten to campus have just been better than UCLA, and that was obviously not true for a long time, but now it, it sort of is. And so it's interesting to have those two teams kind of at the top. Um, but that's not true for all of them. I mean, we'll get some of these other teams where they got all kinds of transfers coming in, and that's that's what they're having to do to compete with the talent that UCLA and Stanford uh, is bringing in. And one of those teams I know is also one that, that has your attention, Jake, and that is Arizona State. And more broadly, Arizona State and USC, two of the teams who, of course, historically had the most success in this conference, if not in all college baseball, have been not that <laughs> recently, especially USC, but even Arizona State uh, recently. You know, Arizona State coming off a year where they had by far, you know, the worst pitching staff in the entire conference. Um, it's weird to see these teams just like not obviously in the regionals. And I know they've got some, some coaching changes, both of them recently, but I don't know. It's, it is, it's still strange. Not that we are like college baseball historians, but like when you, for people our age who start getting into college baseball at any, at any point growing up, it's like, oh yeah, like those are the teams you got to know. Now that is just not true. Um, and that's weird. It's like if the Yankees and the Cardinals were bad at the same time for like 15 <laughs> years, it's very difficult <laughs> for me to understand. And, you know, I would read a, a whole book or listen to a whole podcast series about how this happened. How did these programs who had more structural advantages and cultural cachet than anybody else completely disintegrate into a pile of inadequacy is just totally enthralling to me. And, you know, there are, there's a, we've got a new coach at USC and Andy Stankiewicz, and we got a, a second-year coach at Willie Bloomquist at Arizona State, and maybe these are the guys you can turn them around and bring them back to prominence, but they are here for a reason. They had to get new coaches 
for a reason, right? And I don't, to be honest with you, like, I don't know enough to explain how this got to this point, but I am very interested to see if either of them can kind of, you know, hop out of that rut a little bit and maybe make a run at postseason. Yeah, Steve, do you, I mean, this feels like a job for, for Coach Rooney to, you know, uh, Rune explain this to us, but Steve, do you have any thoughts about, you know, a program like this that, that is so obviously one of the best ever and yet is, does not feel anywhere close to that right now? It's just so strange because you expect them to be really good. Like you expect them to be nasty year after year. And there's no real like easy way to pin down an explanation of what has happened or what's going to happen. All I know is when either one of them makes their comeback, it's going to be outstanding. It's going to be just the coolest, most not unfinished business, but order was delayed for sure. Um, yeah, it, it was on back order a couple of days, and then the business came through. It, it's going to be really cool whenever one of them breaks through. Enron from the dead. I, we should do yeah, a well, segment. I think it'll just be. We should do a segment called Runesplained where runes comes on and just explains something to us that we don't understand. This is a great first example of that. Maybe we will have, maybe if one of these teams either continues to suck or like comes back to prominence this year, we will have him on and he can, he can runesplain us. But yeah, again, just, just like for, for history, right? Of course, you know, USC has what, what 10 national championships. Um, but, uh, or like, they haven't made they've made one postseason since 2005 which is really crazy 2015 the only time for them Arizona State has been in the postseason more often but they have not been to Omaha since 2010 so um, despite having you know some really 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 talented players uh, over the past few years I know they talk about the 2020 team as one that you know maybe could have could have broken through and then obviously they lost torque and whatnot but yeah really weird really really weird and also similar colors so maybe that is the problem. That All could right. be it. Yeah, that is, is that what it will take? Uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, all right. Uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to present our main characters for the Pac-12 in 2023, as well as our superlatives. We're proud to announce that today's Pac-12 preview show is brought to you by a repeat sponsor, the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, you thought this episode would be sponsored by the Pacific Ocean because it's the Pac-12? Well, think again, because the Atlantic Ocean is growing its reach. Hey there, California kids. Have you ever been to a beach near you and been like, this is great, but I wish it was worse? Well, then we have an ocean for you, the Atlantic Ocean. Taking the Pac-12 by storm. Wow. Well, thank you to that commitment from the Atlantic Ocean to continue to sponsor this show. Um, obviously, you know, Super Bowl commercial level bidding wars for these ad spots. And uh, the Atlantic Ocean just stepping up, stepping up. We really I mean, the Pacific that. Ocean never got back to me. It did seem like a natural fit uh, for the Pac-12, but... The Atlantic Ocean just came, swooped in, and and they really want to expand their market uh, and just get mm-hmm. some of the Pacific guys over to the Atlantic Ocean. I think that if the fish, if the Pacific Ocean fish are listening, you know, just swim on over uh, through the canal in Panama, and uh, we'll see you soon in uh, in Maine. 
Steve, are you comfortable with this? Because, again, yeah, it's a little misleading, but I, I, I love it. Yeah, it, it's interesting that the Atlantic Ocean stepped up. My only question is, Jake, did did they pay you for the last ad for the ACC preview before we just did this? Because if not, a, again, a, ask, ask them when they're going to have the money. I know where they are. Like, they can't hide from me. It's tw- 35 minutes from my house. And, and that's if I hit the red lights. If I don't, that's 30 minutes. I'm, I'm on his porch asking for the money. Okay, so and you can hold him accountable if, if that money doesn't come through. And when's he going to tell us what's in the deep, dark, and scary parts? When's that part coming? Just stay tuned here on the Shock Factor podcast, and you'll learn a lot more about the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> All right, let's hop right. into our main yes. characters. You know, college baseball is a big, scary world, much like the Atlantic Ocean, and it can be overwhelming at times. And so we here at the Shock Factor podcast like to simplify things for you a little bit. So we're going to run down the list of players who kick ass, coaches who yell a lot, and other characters that you need to know for the 2023 Pac-12 season. Let's start it off with you, Jordan Schusterman. Where, uh, who, who would you like to talk about first? Let's 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 get Stanford out of the way. I know we've already talked about them a bunch, but I want to talk about their their big three uh, boppers coming back in Carter Graham, Drew Bowser, and Braden Montgomery, uh, who combined last year for uh, I believe it was 58 home runs, which is pretty good. We like that. We like 58 home runs returning. And the funniest part is that Tommy Troy might get drafted before all those guys, and he only had seven. And he's back too. So sure, they have to replace Brock Jones with 21 homers, but. 58 home runs, just those three, is basically tied with Oregon State from last year and ahead of Washington, UCLA, Utah, and Washington State. So offensively, I mean, these guys are all – like Bowser, people know about Bowser and and Montgomery because they were famous high schoolers, but Carter Graham is the one I'm most excited for. Also one of the the funniest personalities we talked to in Omaha, but he had a huge breakout last season. I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. So those three – can we match the 58 homers from last year? I feel like yes, especially if the ball's still flying. The other well, thing to know Carter about Brandon Montgomery. Go ahead, Shock. I was going to just say, well, Carter Graham had like 22 of them. So I think I think they can get close. You know, <laughs> Drew Bowser, he's, he's bigger and older. Brandon Montgomery, he's also bigger and older. I, I think I think they beat it. I just want to give a shout out to Brandon, Brandon Montgomery as someone who very much does have the brain for Stanford. Because he got like a perfect ACT score and is apparently like a huge genius. Good for him. And yeah, also he pitches as if hitting the 18 homers wasn't enough. So yeah, I mean Stanford they got all, all kinds of famous awesome players. So that's that's easy. We'll we'll just start with those three. But Jake, who do you got? I'm gonna go down the list a little bit. I'm gonna take Travis Bazana at Oregon State. He's an Australian outfielder for them. He is one of the best Australian baseball players in the world right now, and he had an outstanding freshman campaign for Oregon State. He spent the summer playing up in that Pacific Northwest League, living at former Australian big leaguer Ryan Roland Smith's house, which is outstanding and hilarious. And for an Oregon State team that lost a good deal of talent to the draft last year, Bazana is going to have to carry that offense. And again, like, the Australian corner outfielder named Travis Bazana, like, that's it. Like, great that you'll remember that. Yeah. I believe he'll be playing second, so I just want to clarify that. But huh. you will know. 
you will know that. Yeah, I don't. I know he has played a little bit of outfield over the summer in the past, but him and Garrett Forrester, I don't know if we're going to mention him, but to right side of the infield, that might be Oregon State's strength over any other team in this conference. So, yes. Bazana. Bazana is a great name, even if he wasn't Australian. <laughs> but, but you say it the same it's way. To say. It's yeah. Bazana or Bazana. It's delightful. Uh, Steve, give us a main character. I, I will make sure that we mention Garrett Forrester because I'll do it. Um, do it. Garrett Forrester, he goes to Oregon State. My favorite thing is I feel like there's a lot of Subaru Foresters in Oregon, <laughs> in the true. state of Oregon. So my question is, is this the first NIL deal where the stakes were Ooh. all the way at the top? You got to change your driver's license and everything. Do you, do you think this was premeditated when he was in, in high school? They said, hey, you're coming to Oregon State. You're going to change your name to Forrester. Subaru's going to pay you a boatload. Love. It's what I makes love Oregon the State, Oregon State, you know? <laughs> the Subaru NIL deal for Oregon State is so funny. And for them to have a guy named Forrester is incredible. I hear their top prospect next year is a guy named Chucky Crosstrek. So hopefully you get the deal too. <laughs> I, uh, I, I love this pick. He is, I think, really underrated just draft-wise. I mean... 64 walks to 48 strikeouts is pretty impressive. I know he doesn't have the most power for a first baseman, but yeah, I love it. He's a Mr. Subaru. Uh, go Garrett Forrester, go. Uh, Jake, give us, uh, give us another one. Johnny Tincher at the University of Washington is a catcher. I think he was uh, first team all-conference last year behind the dish. He could do a standing backflip, which is absolutely absurd for a catcher to do that. So I don't know if he'll like do it after hitting a home run or anything like that, but there was a video of him on their Twitter account of him just standing there and jumping and flipping it around in the air and then landing on his feet without hurting himself. I like that too, because uh, (laughs) this is actually kind of the opposite of what Steve just tweeted about, about how people can get injured celebrating their home runs without props. But this is big. You know, the NCAA can't stop him from backflipping. His coach probably can. (laughs) <laughs> but but as far as celebrations go, this is a big opportunity for Johnny Tincher to maybe maybe show off. You know, only had five homers last year, but definitely one of the better catchers in the conference. That is a that is a great pick. Catchers with athleticism, we love to see it. Um, I'm going to shout out a gentleman named Riku Nishida. Do you guys know about Riku Nishida, Steve? This is this player seems uh, up your alley. Do you, do you know no, about Riku? I, I do not know about him, and I cannot oh. wait to learn. Okay, so Riku Nishida uh, went to the same high school in Japan as you, Darvish, and somehow found his way to Mount Hood Community College uh, outside of Portland, where he's been playing the last couple of years. And he was awesome in the West Coast Summer League a couple of years ago, got picked up, played in the Cape this past summer, led the league in steals, hit over 300, was just amazing. And he's five foot six. And if you like Kenny Oyama, uh, this guy is is that that style, except he also plays a mean second base and he steals a shit ton of bases. So love this guy. He's at Oregon. Will be an automatic <laughs> fan favorite in Eugene for sure. And uh, excited to see him hit 300, if not 400, in D1 baseball this year. So there's Riku Nishida. Do you uh, do you him. by chance know where he played in the Cape? Uh, yes, I do actually. I'm so glad you asked. Why? Why? Because you, you do you have was, do you have Cape connections, uh, Steve? Perhaps did you play I, in the Cape. Yeah, mini golf exclusively. Um, 
But no, I I got a feeling he probably played. Did he play for the Katuit Kettleers? Uh, no, sir. Because if you played oh. for Katuit, you probably would have known about this already. <laughs> you yeah, played for, that's a good point. You played for Hyannis. Um, so. Okay, I was gonna say because Coach Roberts over in Katuit, he is an animal when it comes to learning how to run bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just figured he had a lot of steals. Like Enrique Bradfield played there. Played there you go. Katuit, learned how to steal bases. He probably knew already, but. <laughs> But, hey, uh, but yes, go so. run over there. <laughs> how do I? But, but how? He's pitching. I He's love busy. The, how can I do this? I love the idea of Enrique Bradfield showing up for summer ball and being like, you know, how do I steal though? What do I do? <laughs> you Which can base do, do I go what? to? What? <laughs> when? I can use my Why? speed. He, get, he gave him some tips, probably. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay. That's fine. It's fine, Steve. Uh, Steve, give us another. Give us another main character. Um, I'm gonna tell you about a freshman at Arizona named Tony Pluta. Do you guys know <laughs> anything about Tony Pluta? I don't. Okay. Well, do you want? I'll go school fact first. Perfect ACT score. Perfect. Love that. It's on the Braden roster. Montgomery so is coming for you. <laughs> you can't lie on rosters. I don't know how many questions the ACT is. I never took it, but I feel like it's probably a lot. So I'm impressed by that. So Mr. Mr. Pluta is five foot seven and he is a pitcher and he throws in the low nineties. So this guy just seems like an anomaly of a human being. And I can't wait to see what he does. Love that. We need to see who's shorter, him or Riku Nushida. Uh, (laughs) Or that matchup will be, will be fun. The short King matchup of the year. Yeah, that seems that seems like extremely plausible. So uh, I love that pick. That is a, that is a great one. Um, I have uh, one more, and then uh, Steve, you want to close it? Jake, do you have any more, or we can we can move on to superlatives in a second? Go All ahead. right. So my last one, uh, I'll just do two quickly. Uh, Kiko Romero, who was one of the best hitters in junior college baseball last year at Central Arizona, he's at Arizona now. Any amount of offense that they lost last year. This dude hit 25 homers last year in junior college. I would love to see how many he hits this year. I'm so excited about him. And then Gavin Turley, speaking of home runs, one of the more exciting freshmen coming into the Pac-12 this year, who's an Arizona kid and ended up at Oregon State. So that feels like a pretty giant L for the Wildcats and the Sun Devils. But Gavin Turley, really interesting guy. I believe he has his pilot's license, uh, despite being uh, 18 years old. Really interesting story written about him uh, by Zach Buchanan in The Athletic, which I encourage everyone to check out. Um, so yeah, really interesting kid, crazy leg kick. I don't know if he's toned that down at all, uh, since, since high school, but really fun hitter. He's definitely going to make a big difference at Oregon state. All right, Steve, give us one final main character. Then we'll move to superlatives. Um, last guy I'd like to talk about is RJ Gordon. He's at Oregon state. He had an okay-ish year last year. I, I think he just walked too many guys and found too many barrels. Um, he had 48 punch outs last year and 60 innings. I think once he starts getting a few more whiffs, I think he'll have a breakout year. So I expect that to happen this year. I don't know why. Just feel good about it. This is a very random pick to click. Oregon, not Oregon State. So let's clarify that just because I don't want people getting mad at uh, us. Did I say team. Oregon State? My it's bad. fine. It, but again, to Jake's you know, Noah's Ark point, I mean, they're, we're, we're lumping yeah, them together. It's your often. buddy. That's it's fine. your buddy, you know. Um, this is a very random pick, but I kind of love it. I, this is like a, a huge, like there's nothing in his stats where I see like, oh, breakout incoming, but it seems like you're onto something. It seems like you're onto I trust you, Steve. Seems I like trust someone Steve told Steve to say pick. something. It seems like someone sent Steve a DM about a guy. 
<laughs> no, 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 no DMs. He does follow me. I'll admit it. Who does? Who's listening to this that doesn't follow you? That's not worth shit. <laughs> That's a good. <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just think he'll be good. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I just I'm very intrigued by this pick. Now R.J. Gordon has my attention. No pressure, That's a R.J. Complete <laughs> guess. Complete guess. But I think he'll do it. Let's move All on right, to superlatives well, we'll and s- fly through some of the uh, notable categories that we do on every end of the show here. And we will begin with the best slogans. And I have to say, my dear friends, this is by far the lamest batch of slogans I have seen for any conference. And it's not even close. We will go through them one by one. For those of you just listening for the first time, every college baseball team uh, Twitter account has a hashtag associated with it. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, and some of them in the Pac-12 are just fucking boring. Seven of the 11 schools, their hashtag is just hashtag go and then the mascot. So we have go Cougs, go Bruins, go Beavs, go Ducks, go Bears, go Utes, and go Stanford. And what I say to all of you is hashtag go home because this is mailing it in. This is phoning it in. This is a C minus, a D plus effort, lazy, uninspired, and we can all do better. I need more pizzazz from the pack. We started so hot with ACC, some really creative, downright strange ones, but that's what we're looking for on a podcast. So give us something to work with, but okay. So that's seven. So you have, we have four other ones. Yeah. So I think I might've actually mixed this up here uh, for UW, I think is, is, is go Huskies. Uh, the one that I like the most, I mean, University of Arizona's Bear Down, USC Fight On, like it's just the main ones. The one that is different is Arizona State, and that is hashtag MLBU. And I think that that mm. is actually pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because that, now you could argue that that is part of the problem here, right? <laughs> It's like, it's like, that is good recruiting tool, presumably. We churn out more big leaguers than anyone ever, including literally Barry Bonds. Um, but uh, when it comes to, like, the goals of a college baseball program, perhaps that is a mixed message as to what is trying to be accomplished. So this is very interesting because it, it's, it's cool. I agree. It's kind of badass. But I don't know if it kind of fits the same tone as some of these other hashtags. Yeah, they should make um, it. There should be another school that's like regionals. You, <laughs> Steve, what do you think of, of, of this strategy here for a hashtag? I, I feel like if I understood what the MLB was, I would be able to understand this hashtag better. Never but, heard of it. <clears throat> if I'm Arizona, I'm the buddy of Arizona State. I'm going with hashtag independent ball you, because. <laughs> Why not? You know, sometimes and you shoot for the moon, you end up among the stars. All right. KBOU. The stars being the Frontier League. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happens. And that's fine. Interesting. It's, Interesting strategy. It's all about understanding and accepting. A little more realistic is what you're trying to get at. Yeah. You're not trying to guarantee anybody that they're going to the big leagues. Right. It, it's better than going to hashtag insurance agent you um, mm-hmm. which is most other schools that's true that's been true. There. if it can at least been guarantee there. you kind of like a pro ball floor i mean i you know that's worth something yeah. sure yeah i like it 
Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a little misleading, but I do like that it's different. And certainly, certainly it's a one of a kind. I don't see anyone else out there claiming themselves to be MLBU. Are there any other ones that are that are worth mentioning or, or can we move on to, to our other superlatives? We can All move right. on. We will uh, <laughs> move on to uh, most unfinished business. I mean, this one's easily Stanford, I think. Um, just because the business was thought to be almost finished and then a you know, sour ending for them. And with so many guys coming back, I think Stanford is the easy one. But, Steve, are there any other teams that stand out as uh, high on the unfinished business meter? I mean, when you're when you're comparing it to Stanford's unfinished business, it's not even close. But I, I would say Oregon State because they made a – I would say they kind of made a run at it, right? Mm-hmm. And it when you're that close and you don't make it, it sucks. So I, I would say their business is not finished, and I would say they got a decent amount of not finished business. Is it as yeah. much as Stanford's? I don't think so, but it, it's an amount to say the least. I, I will say I think that when we talk about the unfinished business scale, I think super regional loser versus Omaha loser is a very interesting conversation, mm. right? Because Oregon State is you know they lost in a very close super regional to Auburn at home. You know that is a much tougher taste to finish the year on as Steve said that close to Omaha versus Stanford who got to Omaha got to have a good time there whether they went 0 2 or not they still got to do that. So I actually think you're I think you've convinced me. I think Oregon State is higher on this. What do you think Jake? I agree because any season that goes to Omaha is a success, right? Mm. It's hard to have a, a failure of a season that ends in Omaha, whereas if you don't make it to Omaha, like Oregon State, they were a, they hosted the Super, right? Like yeah, they hosted the Super. Yeah, that's a failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a good season. Yeah. That's business. B- business, Nate, you got to fit in it. <laughs> I also think about it in the concept of Stanford went to Omaha. Do you, you get so much free shit when you go. They mm. just, they're just printing t-shirts left and right for you so you you at least get that with stanford but Oregon state no such luck they did not oregon get the state just has no they have no clothes to wear because they didn't get all the free stuff in omaha they're oregon going state just walking around year. yeah they're just walking around <laughs> naked in corvallis uh let's let's here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot here because i want to finish with which coach you want to play for so we're going we're gonna to finish with that one, if that sounds okay, Jake. So um, as always, I would like to award the, the Oldest Boy Award, uh, brought to you not really by AARP. This one goes to a duo uh, up at Oregon. We mentioned, you know, big-time big transfers. They got a couple, couple guys in there that have been there forever, and that's Tanner Smith and Drew Cowley. Drew Cowley, who, who came over, I believe, from Cal Poly Pomona. But Drew Cowley's turned 24 during the season. And, you know, when he's going up against, you know, 18-year-old Gavin Turley, uh, it's going to be – it's like, this is college baseball. Uh, what, is, what, are we, what are we looking at here? But they, that, that is the oldest boy, Drew Cowley, Oregon. Congratulations. If there is someone older than Drew Cowley, please let me know, and I will take the award away from him, and I will award it to the person who deserves it, the actual oldest boy. Um, <laughs> let's do the culture shock factor. This one is one I'm very excited about. Uh, Steven, do you know about the story of Mr. Kiefer Lord, who is now up at, at UW? You know a little no, bit about Kiefer? No, but that is a hilarious name. It um, is a hilarious name. Kiefer Lord is, I mean, just, again, you're not going to forget that name. This is a guy from uh, Northern California who was at D3 Carleton College up in Minneapolis. And then last year was suddenly just throwing 95. And so he hopped in the portal and UW was like, hey, 
why don't you come on over up to Seattle and you can pitch for us instead of pitching in the Mayak. He's like, sounds good. I'll do that. So he goes on over to the Huskies, and now he's throwing even harder, 96, 97, 98. Going to be one of the most important uh, pitchers for them. But, yeah, Carleton College to UW, that is not a very common uh, transfer situation. So I have to imagine there will be some adjustments there for him, but also probably less homework. So congratulations to Kiefer uh, for that. Uh, Steven Schock. We have two superlatives left. I'm going to let you choose which ones we do first. Would you like to do which coach you would like to play for most, uh, which, which is accompanied with uh, some media that Jake uh, share, shared with us earlier uh, a few days ago, or would you like to do best major? I believe Jake will be providing those as well. Which one would you like to do next? I, I like best major. I like okay. Best major. Jake, take it away. So there's a whole slew of them. This conference came to play in regards to best major. Now, remember, some – Teams have the majors available, some don't, and so we're going to do our best. And we're going to start in Pullman, Washington, home of the Washington State University Cougars, okay, where my man Ty Kennedy is majoring in landscape architecture. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Landscape architecture, that's, that's together or not landscape and architecture? Like double majoring in landscaping and architecture. Landscape ar architecture, I believe, is one major. Uh, so this... I, I guess is like gardens, like he's he's a garden designer. Now, back in the day, landscape ar architecture was a big deal because in all these American cities, right, they needed to have these public parks. And so the people who got to design like Central Park and, you know, all these big parks across the U.S. was a big job. But I don't know what that does now. So I, Ty Kennedy, come on, let us know what land, landscape architecture major at Pullman's all about. Steve, um, yeah, I mean, what, is this something that you would have aspired to? Would you have picked this during your multiple college stops if it was available to you? Uh, no, except for a brief moment when I was at UVA because uh, I worked for a landscaping company. And this is where landscaping architecture comes in. It's like the people who design patios and hardscapes and things like that. I'm pretty sure. I could be completely off. This could be horticulture that I'm describing. I don't know. But – <laughs> but I remember my boss said he studied and got his landscape architecture degree from Wofford, I believe. So Wofford also offers this. And, uh, yeah, so I actually kind of, it, it's just like you draw plots of people's yards. You, okay, there's a bush right here and the scale is X. We want to remove this bush. What would it look like with the bush removed? Let's send it to the client. So that sort of thing. It, it is weird, though. And it sounds like way more than it is. And I'm not trying to simplify it or anything like that. I'm sure it's hard if you got a degree in it, you know, good for you. Really good job doing school. But it, it seemed pretty simple. Let's move on here. Last week we had a, uh, a banter session about a guy who was studying like, what was it advanced flight technology? Yes, that's what I was trying to remember, the exact phrasing of that one. <laughs> well, but yes. If you enjoyed advanced flight technology, check in with our man Ryan Orr at Washington State, who is majoring in basic medical science. Ooh. <laughs> so to me, that's like, I'm not going to med school, but I'm interested in this. You know, like I, I am I am intrigued by this field. 
I'm just not going to med school. See, That's what I, I'm hearing for Ryan. No, I think it's just what they call pre-med there is just basic <laughs> medical science. But basic medical science is just a very funny way to describe it. Uh, let's head on to Corvallis, Oregon State, and check on some of these majors here. We've got a couple guys in this uh, – in this uh, on this team majoring in agriculture and business food business management agricultural and food business management i think they had two guys majoring in that which i found to be interesting uh in arizona a gentleman named gabriel or sorry george arius jr has a minor in creative writing no nice nice send me your work <laughs> Steve would like to uh, judge how creative uh, that writing is. He majored in criminal justice studies and minored in creative writing. Sounds like he needs to be uh, writing plot lines for Law and Order. Three more mm. guys to talk about. One of them is named uh, <laughs> Garrett Clark at the University of Southern California. Garrett is majoring uh, in political science, and it says this. I'm going to read it. With hopes to one day be a sports journalist, aha! <laughs> can you can you relate to that, Jake? Garrett Clark, let me know, man. Any way Jordan and I can help, reach out anytime. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Here's I your, love it. You very rarely see that. It's like hey, that guy's doing my job. Also at the University of Southern <laughs> California, Ryan Jackson. He is majoring in NGOs and social change. Good for you, Ryan. Ooh, Very nice. Nice. Again, I, I'm just continually just amazed by just the vast array of, of topics that can apparently be majors. Yes. Um, but I love it. And let's finish up with a gentleman named Tyler Gannis. Tyler Gannis is at the University of Oregon. He is majoring in music. Now you say, oh, that's interesting. Huh. Well, guess what? This gentleman was basically like a Disney Channel child actor. He was in a show I had never heard of, no offense, called Walk the Prank. He was a voice actor in Monsters, Inc. and Wreck-It Ralph. And is like uh, now studying composition and music in college. So definitely an Amazing. interesting cat and very different than the rest of the people on college baseball teams. Wow. We went from... Landscape Architecture and Monsters, Inc. in five minutes. Very impressive array. Six-time honoree in the National Certificate of Merit Program for Classical Piano. Right? Just like you, oh my Steve. God. Yeah, I got <laughs> six of those for the recorder. You can, you can relate. You were just, just all the, chopping All the up. merits I have. <laughs> That's your musical. I, I, the, I got to a to point when I was a kid. It was like, hey, stop giving me so many merits you know i was just so tired of the, the war right you were like please relax all right i don't I need any more awards i don't need any more all right uh jake let's finish up with the coach you'd most like to play for we already shouted out david esker um on this uh on this episode for as steven uh, described the kickflip factor um, the coach most likely to be able to perform a kickflip. David Esker's not my pick. He just seems like podcast. the man. Yeah, no, not a skateboard podcast. Sorry. But, Jake, you presented us uh, with a video from, I don't even know when this is from or what the context was, but how about you describe this video for us and then tell us about why 
Uh, what is his name? Brian Green is your pick, Mr. Uh, head Coach at Washington State. So Brian Green, I think he came over from New Mexico State or New Mexico where he had Nick Gonzalez and he had Joey Ortiz and he built that program up and his staff came over and has been at Washington State, I believe, for two or three seasons now. And this tweet, is, it's very simple. It says, lead through example. And when you see something like that, it, that could be any number of videos, right? It could be very boring. It could be captains talking. It could be a coach like picking up trash on the side of the highway. It could, it could be, be like, service. it could be like, you know, like a senior doing community service. Yeah. Like, or like reading to the children at like a local elementary school. Correct. That is not what this video is. No, this video is a group of young men in what looks to be a locker room. And I would assume that this is the Washington state baseball program in a circle and into the middle, there's a circle and into the middle of the circle jumps a shirtless or sorry, jumps a shirted man who soon becomes shirtless. The man removes his shirt, Gronk spikes it to the floor, begins screaming and jumping up and down. A hyped up baseball team then pours onto him and they all celebrate. The man, the shirtless man in the middle uh, is one Mr. Brian Green, the head coach at Washington State. And this made me think of about 8,000 different things, uh, but I will start with this. Steven Schock, did you ever see any of your college coaches without a shirt on? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes, absolutely. Not, not a problem. So like, yeah, that was the first practice of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've you seen. I've been on my visits. <laughs> so, so you've seen uh, this before. This was seems so. You're telling me this is normal behavior from Brian Green. Well, well, I don't know if I classify it as normal. <laughs> um, usually, when our coaches were shirtless, it was like we were in the locker room after a game or something like that. It was, it was never during interaction time. I would say. What I'm intrigued by with this is again. Let's go back to the copy of the tweet. Lead, lead. What is it? Lead through example. Yeah lead through example. So again, that is, so what is the message here that we're taking away from that tweet combined with that video? Well, there's also, okay, absolutely, we, how are we supposed to interpret? There's this? absolutely zero context. Like I don't know why they are doing this, why they are in a circle jumping up and down. No one seems to be wearing baseball pants. It doesn't look like they just practiced. Maybe they just had like a team lift and he's hyping them up. Maybe, uh, another amazing thing I love about this is in a situation like this where everyone is hyped and there's someone in the middle doing something crazy and you're caught on the outside and everyone's like jumping the person in the middle and the people on the outside are just jumping straight up and down, like not being left out. There's one kid top left, red hair, just jumping. Man's just jumping. <laughs> there's also a tattoo in the foreground, which is very Washington State. It's like um, a bunch of trees on a guy's forearm. It looks awesome. There's a lot to, to digest from this clip, but the biggest thing that I digested is that Brian Green is a man who has my attention and my respect. Yeah, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, especially, right, about the timing, right? Because it seems like this was posted uh, relatively recently, which, like, we've seen, sometimes you'll see, like, you know, conference tournament win like like after winning something big you'll see a coach get a little crazier than normal even if it's not the championship you know you'll see a conference or a win a regional or you win a 
you know, you went go move on to the Sweet 16 or something like that in basketball. But this just seems to just be like we're just getting after it. So yeah, I mean, again, this is where we want to use our our uh, our uh, resources here. If you play for Washington State, let us know what the hell are we looking at here? What what is going on? <laughs> and tell us Please how much you me. love playing for Brian Green. Steve, last word for you as we wrap up this Pac-12 podcast. Uh, vacuum will be my last word. Um, okay. No, but we had a fun time. We talked about the Pac-12. Thank you again to the Atlantic Ocean for uh, for throwing some coin our way, allegedly, um, which you're still going to do, um, like you said you would. Um, but thank you to the Atlantic Ocean. We had fun. We discussed some players. I, I think we should end with... Who is in your guys' head right now when you're thinking of the Pac-12? One player, and we just go around and say it, and we'll call it a day. Hmm, one player, just one player. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Drew Bowser. Drew Bowser is the player I'm thinking about. I'm Jake thinking Mason's of Tyler Gannis at Oregon because when I think of California, to me it is the it is Hollywood. It is the land of dreams. It is the land of show business and no one represents that more than him and uh yeah pack 12 twice as much as a six pack steve that's a good point who's your, who's your player uh, tony tony pluto i just want to see him do his thing you know all right well on that note we'll be back with our final power five preview uh the sec jake Make sure you go, uh, if you haven't already, and uh, pick up one of those subscription pieces over at D1Baseball.com. And a reminder that this podcast, these three dummies that you just listened to talk for a while, will be on site in Round Rock, Texas, talking to baseball players, including those on fucking LSU, in less than two weeks' time. So make sure you check that out. That is going to be very cool and very fun. Jake, Jordan, and Steve around the game that is all i have anything else steve love you oh. okay bye bye, bye. bye. bye.